asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking how to travel lots on a little with Nomadic Map. If you are uh, ready to do some traveling after being cooped up for over a year, then this episode is for you. Uh, today, we're talking with Matthew Kepnes, who is better known as Nomadic Matt. And before he turned 23, Matt hadn't uh, taken a single trip overseas, but since then, he's visited over 100 countries and territories. He's uh, tried some crazy foods, and he has made lifelong friends along the way. He's the New York Times best-selling author of How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. And his mission now is to help would-be travelers realize that they actually can travel and, and that they can do it all for less money than they think that it'll take. Matt teaches folks all about affordable travel, ranging from topics like how they can save money by finding affordable flights, all the way to like advice, too, on like picking out a good backpack. And so we're excited to talk with him today, and uh, we're going to convince you that it is possible to travel on a budget. Matt, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Matt, we're glad to have you, man. And, you know, my co-host, Matt, and I, we drink a craft beer on every episode. It's going to get confusing here. There's two Matts on this on today's show. Um, but, yeah, the reason we do that is because we like to splurge on something that we care about in the here and now while we're trying to save and invest for the long haul. So, yeah, what, what's your craft beer equivalent? And you can't say travel. Uh, sushi. Sushi. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm assuming you've had some of the best sushi in the world. Uh, <laughs> have you spent a, a fair amount of time in Japan? Uh, yeah, I've been to Japan about three times, and I did eat a lot of sushi while I was there. Very nice. So, all right, first, we want to kick off the interview. Where, you know, so where in the world are you currently right now, and uh, what, what are some of your most recent spots that you've been to, Matt? Uh, well, I'm currently doing a road trip around the U.S. Uh, you know, because of COVID, it's kind of hard to go internationally still. Um, and so I am doing a six-week road trip around the U.S., uh, hitting all the national parks I haven't seen before. Uh, and I'm currently in Boise, Idaho, and I just came from Utah, which is, I hadn't really explored before this, and it was gorgeous. I especially liked uh, Bryce National Park. Yeah, Bryce Canyon's beautiful, man. I got to, I was there one time right after it snowed. So like the peaks of the, the canyon, I forget what the jutes, whatever they're called, were like snow capped. It was just gorgeous. So mm. that sounds like a, a good spot to be in right now, Matt. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, uh, just kind of a random question. <laughs> I saw you tweeting the other day about Waffle House. Uh, do you have like a favorite <laughs> like food chain or like national chain that like feels like home maybe <laughs> that you go to sometimes when like, I don't know, maybe you're missing friends, friends and family. Does Waffle House kind of do that for you? Waffle House all day, every day. I'm with you, man. <laughs> Give me those. Um, what's your uh, what's your what's your go to order? <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm I'm a big fan of the All Star breakfast. I mean, you can't can't go wrong there. Yeah, uh, dude. Especially too, having gone to Waffle House. So we, we've got a local spot here, homegrown, uh, and it's you know not unlike Waffle House. It's just it's just local. It's our local better version of Waffle yeah. House. So next time you're in Atlanta, but you can't come th- come come hit that. You up. can't beat the price of Waffle House though. I that's mean, that's true. one of the amazing things. Like we went there with our whole family one time, and it was like you know in the 20s. So I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can. <laughs> and Matt's got a big family. Yeah, so. I've got, there's six of us now. So uh, Matt, dude, let's talk about the pandemic, right? COVID. Like you mentioned, it's, of course, seriously messed up travel. How much have you been able to travel during the pandemic? Uh, has that basically been on hold uh, since last March? Uh, last summer, I went on a road trip, again, uh, up to see my parents in Boston. And I was in Mexico for six weeks near the end of 2020. But that's been the extent of my travels. Given the situation, I, I just don't think it's right to move around a lot. So a road trip... Camper vans, that stuff. I mean, you're pretty safe, right? You're you're by yeah. yourself. You're cooking your own meals. You know, you're not interacting with a lot of people, especially uh, as we do this. Vaccination rates are just through the roof, so you know it's much safer than it was, you know, in the summer of 2020. But even then, you know, if you're going hiking and all that, I think that's fine. Beyond that, I was just a little hesitant to be encouraging travel to destinations that didn't have a handle on COVID. And I was just, yeah. I know I'm fine because of the precautions I take, but I don't know you know, what you two do. Like you two might not be as safe as I am or whatever. And so just factoring in that. Yeah, it's uh, tough I when would, you got a mass audience and you yeah. don't know, you know, they're all going to take different tacks towards, yeah, safety. And so it's hard to give like blanket advice, right? Right. And I mean, I don't think travel is inherently bad, right? You know, or even was last year, you know, there are ways to travel safe. But I think that should be sort of kept domestically in your own country rather than going to another country and maybe being 
an asymptomatic spreader or getting stuck. I mean, their you know, French Polynesia was open for a while, and then France closed their borders. And since French Polynesia is part of France, they had to shut their borders too within like a day. So if you were there, you had to scramble to get out, or you were yeah. you weren't going anywhere. And so with the frequency of border closures and just the situation changing so quickly all the time, I think it was just better if you were going to do any travel just to do it domestically. Yeah, totally. So, but like, as you know, you, you mentioned vaccinations way up. What do you think, how much has COVID changed the way we're going to travel in the near term future as maybe, you know, the European Union does say, all right, we're, we're going to reopen for, for visitors. Like, what are you starting to tell your readers um, as travel restrictions do start to lift in other parts of the world? You know, many parts of the world are open and many parts of the world will open up if you're vaccinated. Europe being an example of that. If you're vaccinated, you'll leave it a go there. So I strongly encourage people to get vaccinated if they want to travel, especially to Europe. However, if you don't, there will be countries that, you know, Mexico, for example, doesn't care one way or the other, it seems. And so I'm pro-vaccine, but I also grew up, you know, working in healthcare, So I, I trust this, these things generally. But yeah. for those who are, you know, adamant that I refuse to get a vaccine, well, they're just going to be locked out of many countries in the world. It's yeah, just that simple. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to Asia. They're not going to Australia. They're not going to New Zealand. They're not going to most of Europe. Um, they won't go to a lot of Caribbean or Pacific Island countries. And that's, that's just what they're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. You, uh, so you mentioned working in a hospital. Uh, that's what you were doing back in 2006, right? And you were going back to get your MBA. But then you decided to take a gap year. And so... Let's talk about just how you got into travel. What led you to quit your job uh, and to essentially dedicate your life to travel? Back, uh, as you mentioned, I was, I was working in healthcare. I w was in hospital administration. It was a really boring job. And I had decided to, to leave, do an MBA, and go work in the corporate world. And so prior to that, back in 2005, I took a, my vacation. I went with a friend to Thailand. And I met backpackers. I never met, you know, such a creature before. You know, people who just traveled <laughs> and could do so on a budget. And so I was just fascinated by these people. You know, in, in America growing up, it's, you know, hotels and expensive tours and resorts and Disney and cruises. Um, and here were all these people my age just traveling. Every day was like the weekend. They they had no plans. They seemed to be able to do it on very little money. And I was just fascinated by it. I was like, this is what I want. So I decided that I'd go home. I'd quit my job. I know I would finish the MBA. And then before I follow the American dream of career, you know, marriage, house, kids, that whole jam, I'd go do a year around the world and, you know, get it out of my system. Well, a year turned into 18 months. Came back in 2008. Broke. <laughs> um, doing a temp job and I realized uh, actually I want to go back and travel so I started the blog as maybe an online resume where maybe I could like you know do some freelance writing uh, but then I called up I was working in Thailand before I came home as an English teacher and I called up that office and they're like yeah come on back so I went back in the fall with really one goal was just to keep traveling there were no grand plans or anything like that I just wanted to keep going. That was it. Like one more day, right? 
And one thing led to another. And by 2010, the website was my job. I just sort of stumbled into it. And here we are 11 years later. There you go. Yeah, you so you truly are a nomad at this point, right? 11 years of travel. but 15 yeah, years just of travel. Getting, oh, 15 years, years total? Yeah, professionally, this is right? Yeah. <laughs> 11 years you you know, professionally writing. Okay. All right. But, but to, in order to, to leave your job, you had to save up money to feel good about being able to do that, right? To be able to actually like afford the plane tickets um, and, and get on the road. So how much money did you save before quitting your job? And then like, what were some of the biggest cuts that you made uh, in order to like accelerate that timeline of being able to get on the road? Uh, I saved $30,000. Um, 20 grand was for the trip. 10 was for when I came home. But since I Spent another six months overseas that ate into a lot of that home fund. So, you know, I worked a lot of overtime. Being in the hospital, there were a lot of shifts um, I could take beyond my nine to five. Um, so that was one thing I did to really jumpstart my, my bank account. But, you know, I saved for three years doing this because I you know, had started working when I graduated college in 2003 and I left in 2006. So that was three years of savings and overtime and didn't eat out, didn't go drinking as much. Once I made the decision to leave, uh, I basically had 18 months to, to get to where I needed to be. So, you know, I was more than halfway there already just from saving money. But to get the rest of the way, I moved in uh, for the last few months with my parents. So cut my, saved on rent. I lived a very monastic life. Um, <laughs> Spartan existence. Yeah, because the goal was, you know, I can go out to see a movie and the popcorn and all that, you know, that's 20, 30 bucks. Well, that's a day and one more day in Thailand. And so by always framing it in that, like, do, do I want to give up one day of travel to do this? Most of the time the answer was no. And I just, it made just those decisions home. a little bit easier to make. It felt yeah. less like depriving yourself and more like actually funding your future exploration. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I made a couple of grand by selling all my possessions before I left. And there we go. Very cool. If someone is thinking through this and they're like, "Man, that sounds like something you know I'd be I'd be interested in doing," what like what advice do you have for any any new or or just maybe any aspiring travelers out there? I think it's important come up first with your own budget. Where do you spend your money on? Most people have no idea where they spend their money, and so if you can track your expenses for a month, you'll probably find a lot of low hanging fruit you can cut to save. And so I think once people get a better handle on their finances, it allows them to see, oh wait, maybe I can do this. Because I mean, think of all the money you spend in a, in a month that you don't even think about. Your Starbucks, that, that water you bought, that snack you bought, even you know the money you give to a homeless person, the glass of wine you, you got during happy hour as you read, like just little things like that. Suddenly you're like, wow, I, I spent a lot of money. You're a lift, the scooter, the e-scooter you get because you're too lazy to walk, right? I'm amazed at how much money I spend a year on lift. Last year, I was like, I bought a car and I still managed to spend hundreds of dollars. What was the point of getting in the car? Yeah. You know? So when you're like confronted with those numbers, you're like, oh, okay, now I need to make a change. Because especially when everything's easy on an app, right? And you don't really think about the money you're spending. You just tap and go. That's interesting that your your first advice to an aspiring traveler 
is to look at your budget. <laughs> like, obviously, you know, this is a, a money show, so we're with you. But that's uh, that I, just, I find that fascinating that that's your your initial advice that you give somebody. Yeah, I mean, it just points out. I mean, I, what I hear you saying, Matt, is that you can travel. It's just you've got to make other changes in your life if that's something you actually want to do. Like, it's it's more possible than you realize. But instead, you're kind of just moving along, doing the normal things that uh, we as Americans do: spending money, you know, on a glass of wine while we're reading a book, catching a lift uh, in order to meet up with some friends, things like that, and all. All that yeah all that costs money uh and putting it in the perspective of how much time is this going to cost me if i am traveling abroad like that's just a, a perfect way to think about it that's just the proper context and so we're actually going to talk more about some of the practical steps that we can take when it comes to reducing the amount of money that it takes to to live on when you are abroad so that when you do go to the movies and get popcorn and you spend 30 bucks that you truly do equate that with the cost of living of an entire day in a different country. So we're going to get to all those practical nuts and bolts uh, right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. 
If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back from the break. We're talking with Nomadic Matt. This dude knows how to travel. And let's dive into some of the practical nuts and bolts of how to travel so that it doesn't break the bank. And Matt, the, the title of one of your books says that you can travel for just 50 bucks a day. That's really not that much money when you think about it, because I think most people are like, my hotel is going to cost a whole lot more than that, right? So yeah, does, does that $50 include transportation, like airfare, lodging, food, everything? It includes everything. You know, it works out to 18250 bucks in a year. And you'll get people to be like, that sounds like so much money. Uh, but, but when you include it as everything, and you compare it to like, how much does your life in the States cost? Probably a lot more, more than, than that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a lot of money when you think of it uh, as like the total number you'll spend in, it, in a year. Give or take a few grand on either end, depending on where you go. Obviously, if you spend that year in Europe or Australia, it's going to cost more money than if you were to spend that year just, you know, around Southeast Asia. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, Joel, you kind of mentioned uh, airfare. Matt, you've got some great resources on your site uh, that helps folks find a, a great deal on flights. What are some of the best ways to score a better deal on airfare? Because, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that's the most expensive part of, say, getting to Southeast Asia is the plane ticket. So, yeah, how do you spend less money on that aspect of travel? You want to be flexible. I, I think the well, there's a couple of tips. First off, be flexible. Whether it's when you can go or where you can go, there's always deals around. I mean, last week, uh, there were $200 round-trip flights to Japan. Um, I saw those pop up. Yeah, uh, for the end of the year into 2022. So if you're flexible with where you go and when you go, there's always a deal around. Um, but if you have to go to Paris and you have to go July 12th, that's it. Well, then there's no magic voodoo that you can do to make the price of that flight on the 12th of July drop. It is what it is. But maybe if you go on the 13th or the 14th or the week later, it's less. Or maybe you don't go to Paris on July 12th. You go to Barcelona because that's where the deal is. And so, one, definitely be flexible. Two, sign up for deal new newsletters like Scott's Cheap Flights or The Flight Deal, Secret Flying. Those websites, they find the deals for you and they take away a lot of that work. And then, you know, the biggest thing we can do, especially as Americans, is travel hack. You know, collect those points and miles for flights. You know, a, a credit card sign-up bonus alone, you know, which can be 50 to 100,000 points these days, that alone will get you an economy trip to Asia or really anywhere in the world in economy. And so 
using those points and accumulating them is the best way to get that cheap flight. You know, a lot of people think travel hacking is a scam. Oh, you know what? You have to spend that money. But most cards come with like point multipliers. You know, you get four points, you know, right. for gas and, you know, three points at restaurants and all that jazz. And so if it takes you a year to get a free flight, you know, it takes you a year. I mean, that's one of the things that I did when I did my first trip overseas. I had like a city card and they had thank you points and I used it for cash. And so that covered my leg from U.S. to Europe and then Europe to Southeast Asia. So there's two flights just taken care of. One of the other ways, Matt, I think what you're like most known for is like slow travel being one of the best ways to save money and that slow travel is different than travel the way we currently think about it. You alluded to that a little bit earlier. But one thing it does mean is purchasing fewer flights in all likelihood. But how else does like slow travel actually benefit you and allow you to travel more cheaply than people typically think they're, they're going to be able to? Well, you just you're, you know, amortizing your costs over a longer period of time, right? So, you know, if you're going from Bangkok to Chiang Mai and then to Phuket and then you continue south. If you're doing this every day or every few days, the trains, the planes, the buses, they really add up. Whereas if you just go, you know, a week here and then a week there, you're not spending as much on transportation because you're not visiting as many places quicker. You know, the, the faster you travel, the more it's going to cost money because the more transportation you're going to take. Okay, so aside from transportation, like that's obviously a major cost when it comes to traveling abroad. I've, I got to think affordable accommodations are probably next on the list when it comes to traveling for less. I'm assuming, Matt, that you're not staying at fancy four-star hotels, right? Or really nice Airbnbs <laughs> most of the time. How are you able to get your accommodation costs low? I do stay at lots of four-star hotels. On oh, you points. do? Because point, you know, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. The best accommodation is free accommodation. So, again, points can really go a long way to lowering your costs. You can couch surf, which is, you know, you can stay with a local for free. It's a great website. And that's one thing I used a lot when I was traveling and still use today. Um, and there's a couple of other sites that are similar, like Be Welcome, Global Freeloaders, uh, and Serve Us. Hostels, I mean, hostels are not what you imagine them to be like. You know, they're not like dirty places that you see on like Eurotrip and all that. They've actually <laughs> improved a lot over the last, you know, 15 years as your millennials start to travel and, and have demanded more services. You know, now they have tours, bars, restaurants, you know, Wi-Fi, especially as remote work has sort of the digital nomad thing became big in the 2010s, you know. They sort of improve themselves. And, you know, if you don't want to stay in a dorm room, hostels have private rooms. So there are options. I mean, obviously, you know, if you don't want to stay in the dorm, uh, you don't want to couch surf, um, and you're like, I only want Airbnbs. Well, there's only so much you can do, right? I, you know, for me, an Airbnb, I, I don't get my own place. I always stay in someone's guest room because... To me, the point of Airbnb is to get to know the people you're staying with. But a room in someone's house is markedly cheaper than getting the whole apartment to yourself. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're traveling with a group, it makes way more sense to get an Airbnb than it does for each of you to get a dorm room, right? Because if you add up all the costs individually, you're better off just getting your own place. But if you're a solo traveler, your know, hostels and couch surfing are going to be the most cost-effective ways to you know, lower your accommodation costs besides points. 
So, yeah, what about that food budget? Because that's another one of those things. I think when people travel, they assume that they need to eat out twice uh, or maybe even three times during that day. Or like me, four times. Or four times a day. You're like a hobbit. You eat meals at the pace of a hobbit. <laughs> Second breakfast for Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like what are you doing to save on food costs? Because it does get really expensive if you're continually going out to eat as opposed to cooking on your own. Right. Well, like, I think that's you hit the nail on the head. You know, people assume you always have to eat out. But you don't have to eat out. I mean, you cook a lot when you travel. There's nothing wrong with cooking. People in the destination you're at, they don't eat out every meal. So why do you feel the need to eat out every meal? You'll go to the market, go to the supermarket, the farmer's market. If you really want to get a sense of what people are eating day to day, you're going to see that in all these, you know, in the grocery store. Because that's going to be prime for the local appetite. They're going to sell things people buy. And so if you really want to get a cross-section of like, what do people eat in this country? Go to the market. But people don't eat out all the time. And so don't feel, I, I don't get why people feel the pressure to eat out every meal. All right. Practically on that. So when you are staying in a hotel, like how are you cooking the food? <laughs> what are you doing? Because there's not, there's not a, like, I guess I'm sure like when you're staying in the Airbnb, you have access to a stove. But if you're in a hotel, practically, how are you doing that? Well, hostels have kitchens. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but if I'm at a hotel, then it becomes a little more problematic. If I'm staying at a hotel, I'm probably eating out. Because if I'm staying at a hotel, I've used points. So my daily budget has more room in it for food. Because mm-hmm. accommodation that day is zero. But, you know, why does every meal have to be a hot meal? You can make a sandwich. So a lot of times I don't eat breakfast. And so my day is sort of like I will eat out one meal and I'll cook one meal. Depending on where I am and, you know, again, do I have a kitchen or not? It could be lunch or dinner. If I'm eating out for lunch, you know, it's because I'm staying at a place where I can cook a hot dinner like pasta or, or, you know, stir fry or something like that. If that is not the case, I'll eat out dinner and I'll just make myself a sandwich for lunch. But, you know, you're in Europe, right? Let's, let's use Europe as an example. And you're in Paris or you're in Italy. There's all these fresh markets out there. It's, that's what they, people do. They go get some fresh bread, cheese, and, and you know, meats, and that's their lunch. It should be your lunch too. And if you're yeah. in a, a country like or a region like Southeast Asia – well, <clears throat> the street food is so cheap, you never cook it out because it's like a dollar a meal. <laughs> right. Joel, I know I had like one yeah, of the best meals of my life like in that. Thailand. <laughs> it was like literally like 95 cents or something like that. And it was this stir fry with, with shrimp. And I was like, uh, you could live like a king in Thailand. You truly could. So I, I think, yeah, that $18,000 a year number, if you're living in Thailand, it might be more like 13 <laughs> or something like that. It's so dirt cheap to, to be in Thailand. Yeah. And Matt, hearing you talk about Paris. I mean, that's like some of the best memories I have when my wife and I, when we went to Paris, you know, we ate at some really nice restaurants, but some of the best memories we have, some of the best experiences were when we went to a, a bakery, we grabbed a fresh baguette, grabbed some cheese at a local market and some fruit. And we just went and had a picnic yeah. like that, plus some prosciutto or something like that for some meat. I mean, that held us over, you know, that was plenty for us to, to get through the rest of the day until uh, it was time for dinner. So yeah, I'm totally with you there. Matt, we've got a few more questions for you regarding, you know, just planning for vacation, planning for travel, uh, as well as just some of the different benefits that you've found uh, that, that you've gained from, from traveling the world. And we'll get to all of that right after this break.
Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial.
All right, we're back from the break. We're talking with Nomadic Matt. And Matt, obviously, you know, we just kind of covered slow travel and how you're able to kind of amortize, I think is the word you said, your expenses when you're traveling over a longer, slower period of time. A lot of our listeners might be saying, that sounds nice, Nomadic Matt, but I only get three weeks of vacation a year. So yeah, what are your tips for folks that have a normal job for maybe being able to, to fit in an extended trip like the kind of travel you're all about? You know, I still think you can travel slow regardless of how long you go. You can't see as many destinations if you only have three weeks, but that doesn't mean you can't see one or two destinations deeply. And I think the travel style here in the States is, you know, more, 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 right? But when you're traveling, less is more. And so I always encourage people that, you know, I understand why people want to travel fast. You have three weeks a year. There's... A lots of places in the world to see and you're just trying to maximize that vacation time but you know again if you're seeing 10 destinations in Europe well your transportation costs are gonna go through the roof because you have to you're always on the move it's exhausting being on the move and by the time you get back from your three-week trip you're really just gonna remember being on the move it's all gonna seem like a blur you're gonna need a vacation from your vacation (laughs) yeah and so Regardless of the amount of time you have, it's important you know, to understand that in travel, less is more. And I, I strongly encourage people to, you know, to, to deep dive into places. You know, if you have three weeks, rather than go everywhere, pick like three or four places and just see them deeply. You'll have a much more memorable experience because you'll be able to spend time in those places making memories rather than just shuttling from the major tourist attractions and getting back on the train. It'll be cheaper and it'll be less exhausting because you can just, you know, you're not in a rush. And when you're not in a rush, you can allow for, you know, the serendipity of travel to happen where you can just walk out the door, you know, you get a couple of things you want to see and you, you let the rest of the day fill in. And that's when you, you do that, the things that fill in, they're usually the things you're going to remember more. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, I know I found that in, in in my travels. The things that we didn't necessarily plan for, the things I remember, like the things that happen by like happenstance, by chance. Yeah, because yeah. you had time to like specifically Joel, when, when you and I like when we uh, we traveled to Ireland. I remember positioning you over some cow poop. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, and, Matt and he forced my foot into. No, I did not. I held you there, and then you just stepped at it, and no. I was like, "Why did you step that's, at it?" That's not how it went down. It was a. Uh, it was messed up. But we wouldn't have done that <laughs> if we didn't just have like thirty minutes just on you know. Just like to mess around on this hike on these cool rocks next to this field, yeah. uh, and like that still stands out in my mind as like one of the funniest things of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of you, course, you it remember does. these things more than you do, you know, the museum or yes, or yeah. anything else. That's um, true. Yeah, I mean, some of my greatest memories are when I let the day fill itself in, and I ended up very far from where I wanted to be. In the sense, like I thought this is what I was going to do today, and I ended up doing something else that was ten x better. Yeah, I love that. That's that's for sure. Matt, you know, I've seen stories of some of like like Instagram influencer couples that like break up after a year of being on the road together. Like it, traveling, it can be a lot of fun, but it, it can be pretty stressful as well. And so I guess this just makes me wonder, like, do you ever get tired of, of traveling yourself? You've been doing it now for, you know, over you know 15 years, 11 years professionally. Is this something that that you still look forward to just with, with just as much energy as you used to? Or is it something maybe you're getting tired of? I wouldn't say I'm ever tired of travel. 
I okay. I love it as much as I did 15 years ago. Nice. But I definitely don't go away as long as I did 15 years ago. I mean, that first year was 18 months. <laughs> now, after like a month, I'm like, I want to go back to my bed. I am just tired. You know, I'm sick of unpacking. I just want to be in one place. I also like my job. I love what I do. And the longer you're on the road, you know, it's really hard to balance work and travel. And so since I really primarily want to focus on travel, there's only so long I can push work to the side. And so, you know, four or five weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go home, ready to start working again. Uh, I'm ready to go back and just face plant into my bed. You know, travel burnout is real. Even if you are new to this, it's the first time you're going away, you've never traveled before, a few months into this, you're going to go, I'm really tired. I need to slow down because travel is work, right? Every day you wake up, you got to figure out your way around a new country. You got to make friends. You got to figure out where to eat. And then you got to do pack up tomorrow, find the bus station, get to your next destination, make friends all over again, find a place to eat, find your way around the city. That's tiring because there's a lot of mental energy that goes into mm -hmm. it. So yeah. travel burnout is real. And I always encourage people, if you're getting to that stage where you're sick of just moving and travel, stop. For me, I just go home because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not on the road. But if you're on this round the world trip, just wherever you are, stop and just chill out in one destination for a week, two weeks, however long it takes until you decide, okay, I'm ready to go. And, you know, travel is not an unlimited wellspring. It's a battery that needs to be recharged. So, and, and you've been traveling solo in, on most of these trips. Like, uh, do you have any tips for like combating loneliness or developing meaningful relationships? Because it can be tough. Like when you're like, new city, new day, got to meet a new friend. Um, yeah. What about developing community? That's something that's important. To, to Matt and I, we're very embedded where we live. I think that to me would be like the hardest part of kind of this travel lifestyle. Again, this is why a lot of people stay in hostels because you're surrounded by other travelers, right? Mm -hmm. So you can meet a lot of people. Uh, going back to couch surfing, not only can you stay with people through their app, there's always events going on, right? So there's always sort of community meetups, whether locals are running or just other travelers posting, hey, I'm going to go to this site tomorrow. Who wants to join? People join. I love meetup.com. You have hobbies. Chances are somebody in the destination you're going to, if it's a big enough city, enjoys that hobby too. So reach out to those groups and like see what's going on. Uh, Facebook groups, you know, th those didn't exist when I started traveling around the world, uh, but they do now, you know, so you can go in and type in, you know, expats in, you know, Oaxaca. And you can join the group and post like say, hey, I'm visiting Oaxaca, like, I'd love to like meet some people. There are ways to always meet people nowadays because the internet has really helped facilitate that. Before, you know, you backpacked around the world, you, you met people through a hostel or just happenstance. Nowadays, there's all these apps and Facebook groups and websites uh, that allow people to meet strangers. I remember going to meetup groups uh, way back in the day, like 2003, 2004, when I moved to Boston after college. I moved home and was like, I need to meet people. And that was weird. You met people online, you hung out with strangers. Like, that was weird back then, right? You're like, mm -hmm. no, you know, it'd be like, I met my girlfriend online. People were like, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, 
It's normal. You met somebody in real life? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, true. You guys met at a bar? What? That's yeah. so weird. Yeah, that's that's the anomaly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so the same thing online. There's all these things and it's, you know, couch surfing meetup tomorrow. Okay, I'll just go to that and, you nice. know, meet a bunch of strangers. I like it. Well, Matt, like obviously, you know, you're you're such a huge fan of travel. It's it's uh, a massively important part of your life. But traveling around the world, it may not be for everyone. And so how does someone know if it's just not for them, if they're just not necessarily cut out for travel, or if maybe they've just done a poor job at it? You know, you've kind of listed out some of the different ways that you could do travel incorrectly, <laughs> how you can do it wrong. How, how does someone know whether or not they've just had a bad experience or uh, if maybe travel's just not for them? Well, I don't know if they've had a bad experience or how to know that because that's that's so personal. I guess I'd have to like grade their paper, so to speak, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, tell me, oh, you really messed that up, or you really messed that up. But how do you know if whether it's for you or not? You go, and you can always come home. And I think in our culture, it's like you have to finish what you start, right? Clean your plate, read the whole book, watch the movie that you enjoy. You said you were going a year away, you have to go a year away. No, you don't have to do any of those things. If you're three months, four months into your trip, and you're like, oh, well, Matt said, if I'm feeling burnt out, just stop. And then you stop and you spend, you know, a couple of weeks in the destination, and you're still burnt out and you're like, oh, one more week. You're still just really missing home. Go home. I met a lot of people who were just like, oh, I miss my friends, I miss my family. I gave it a go. I slowed down, I started again, it's just I couldn't shake this feeling that I don't need to go longer. You have nothing to prove. Travel is really just self-development. And so if you're going, you know, after you did three months and you're like, oh, that's it, go home. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with throwing in the towel if it's something that you don't like. There's, it's just like, it's uh, what the sunk cost fallacy, essentially, right? Just to say, I'm going to keep going because I've already committed to this. And I feel like we, we do that all the time with our finances, but then also with our time, like with the things that we commit to in life when it's just as good of an idea sometimes to bow out and just to stop. Travel is about having the ultimate flexibility, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, I don't really like this destination. I'm leaving. Oh, I love this destination. I'm going to stay longer. Why not apply that ultimate flexibility to the trip as a whole? If you want to, if you're like, oh, I'm done. I mean, there were many times where, you know, I was supposed to stay in a place longer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go home. I've never mm. once thought, oh, if only I had stayed longer. No, I was ready to go. And that was that. And so if yeah. you're, same thing. Don't fall, fall into that sunk cost fallacy with your time or money especially money. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we agree with you on that one. That's for sure. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on, on this episode, man. Um, yeah, where can our listeners find out more about you and your advice on traveling cheaply? Well, my website, uh, nomadicmat.com, N-O-M-A-D-I-C-M-A-T-T, has all my resources there. But I am branded on all social media channels, Nomadic Matt. So whatever social media platform you love, backslash nomadic matt you will find me awesome nomadic matt thank you for coming on the show man we appreciate it no problem thanks for having me all right matt that was a good combo with nomadic matt yeah. I, I love what he's brought to the space of slow travel over the years i feel like he's one of those guys who's just really influenced the space and has influenced 
how people travel, yeah. how people, um, and how people can do it cheaply. <laughs> because obviously, that's what you and I are all about. So, so what was your big takeaway from that conversation? Yeah. So specifically, what he mentioned a figure. He mentioned I forget the exact figure, but he said eighteen thousand a year, eighteen thousand something. Two hundred and fifty dollars. Was it really two fifty? Okay, eighteen thousand. I wrote it down when he said it because I was like, "That's very specific." I, <laughs> I wrote down the eighteen k, but I was listening to. <laughs> I'm not very good at listening and taking notes. So I'll just say that. But, <laughs> but when he said that figure, dude, that made me realize there's individuals who take vacations, uh, week week long vacations, two week long vacations, and they'll spend that much money in just those two weeks. Who are those people? In I want to slap them in the face. In just those ten <laughs> days, and for him to mention that that is what you can live on, you can survive and travel the world on that amount of money and potentially even less if you're in Southeastern Asia because it's uh, more affordable there. So that just really stood out to me because it highlighted the fact that it doesn't cost a ton of money to travel uh, if it's a priority and if you're willing to travel in ways that aren't consumptive, right? Like the, like the kind of travel that we see and the, the kind of travel that we're fed with, you know, via marketing, advertising, social media, it's like super high-end, fancy travel, like you're at a spa, you're sitting there in the uh, infinity pool that looks out, you know, onto the Pacific, like that kind of thing. The hot stone massage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or you're in like the little... I know you're into those. You're in one of the little huts, like you're in Tahiti, and you know, and it's (laughs) like you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's like... Riding a horse on the beach. That's what a lot of times people imagine, but... You can be there and you can experience the culture and the food and oftentimes and the weather, right? And those are the things that truly matter. And you can pay very little money or you can pay a ton of money and be at, you know, a resort uh, where everything's basically spoon fed to you and you don't have to do anything. And it's like, like you said, that's not what my life looks like here at home. Why not take the life that I live here in the States and apply that methodology, the way I go about living my days here and do that just in, in a different country? And it like it's so true. Like as he was talking through just like going out to eat. I mean, Kate and I, we go out to eat once every two weeks, you know, and it's our date night. And it's, a, and it's a big deal. It's a special occasion. Uh, and so I'm totally, you know, we've done this before, but I think thinking through different ways. So I guess this is my second big takeaway, <laughs> but thinking through ways to eat affordably when you're traveling, it doesn't, yeah. you don't have to constantly be going out to eat, eating at nice restaurants. I don't eat at nice restaurants here in Atlanta. I mean, rarely we do. Oftentimes I'm keeping things pretty simple. And so I, I don't know that that really stood out to me as well, that you don't have to spend a lot of money on food while you're traveling as well. I think that number too stood out to me because I was like, man, 18, you could just sell your 2017 Honda Accord and <laughs> fund travel for a year. Like it's that, it's honestly, it's almost that simple. Yeah. There are a lot of people who have that much value they, in, a, in a car. Yes. And if they say that they prioritize travel, sell your car and go do it. Like That's you can an do asset it. that they have. Yeah. And like Matt said as well, he's like, why did I even buy a car once the pandemic hit and I came back to the States? I'm still catching a lift to a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows we don't like cars <laughs> all that much anyway. You probably have one too many. Sell it and go travel for That's a little true. bit. I think my big takeaway was that even you know with the kind of American style vacation time we have uh, where we don't necessarily have as large of chunks to to go travel there's still ways to do slow travel and he said like visit one or two destinations and explore them deeply and I thought that yeah. was a, a good concept right yeah deep instead of wide yeah yeah, yeah I, like I, that I appreciate that and I think too one tact that you can take is to take all of your vacation maybe in one lump time so if you have three weeks of vacation attempt to take most of it 
in one time, like at one at one time. So you can literally get 21 days in a row somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a way to then be able to explore deeply. You're buying one plane ticket and sometimes two vacations. Like it can take a little while before you feel disconnected from your work and all the responsibilities of everyday life. So I think when you take two or three weeks off, it's actually better for you mentally. Whereas if you take three one week vacations, it's a little bit harder to get away. You feel like you come back so quickly. And so yeah, maybe attempt to take a, a lo- larger chunk of time off so that you can explore more deeply and disconnect, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, I like that, dude. That's a good strategy that you gleaned. Let's uh, shift gears. Let's get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed on this episode. You and I uh, shared a Canela Ascuello. I don't. I, I think that's how you say it. This Oscuro? is Ascuro. No, it's, is that an R or an A? Oh, maybe it's an R. Is it Oscuro? I bet you're right. That's an R. The font uh, <laughs> it's written so that it looks just like the A, though. Look at it. It looks exactly like the A. It does. <laughs> but this is a beer by Southern Grist Brewing Company. And, dude, this was a really good beer. This is a milk stout that was brewed with, uh, obviously, lactose. That's what makes it a milk stout. But it also had cinnamon, vanilla, cocoa nibs, and chili peppers. Dude, anytime I've got a good stout that has some that's bringing the heat, that's got some peppers in it, it automatically gets upgraded by like 0.5 uh, on my <laughs> oh, <yeah>. tap rating. <laughs> but this one was really good. Uh, you can immediately feel the the tingle of the heat on your tongue. Um, but this is one I really enjoyed. It, it, it and plus it had a nice little sweetness going on with that vanilla. This is just a, a well-rounded, good uh, example of a Mexican-style stout. Yeah, this was by Southern Grist. They make great beers. And this one, they said they modeled it after Mexican hot chocolate. And it oh, definitely yeah. had that vibe, right? It had that like sweetness from, from the milk. It had that like cinnamon going on. And it had the peppers bringing a little bit of that heat. Mm. This was a delightful example of, of that <laughs> style. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There, there are certain beers that you and I have on the show. And we're kind of like, yeah, I'm glad, glad we shared that one. This is one where if we each... Uh, had our own, I would have been more than happy to <laughs> enjoy all 16 ounces. Of yeah, them. that one, this one was really, really good. <laughs> so good. But uh, yeah, man, that's going to be it for this episode. We'll make sure to link to Nomadic Matt's website, but nomadicmatt.com. He really does have a lot of great resources up there on his site. But of course, you can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. That's right. That's going to do it for this episode, though. So until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.